A consequence of committing to a discipline is becoming disciplined. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum, and producer Marcus Sasson, behind the scenes. The school leads us into our guest today, Mark Amick. Mark is currently studying to be a chiropractor and is probably best known for being the co-host of our legendary Anatomy Tuesdays. I've had the pleasure of being friends with Mark all the way through college football and just always awesome to talk to him and just kind of hear the passion and just life in his voice. We talked about a lot of paying attention in your life and kind of how to fix your life and holistically live your life in a healthy way in this podcast. And and I think you can just hear that, like the the benefits of that in Mark's voice when he talks, You, you can see the light in his eyes. You can see that he's there when you're talking to him and you can hear it in his voice. And that's something that I thought was really cool. And we just had an awesome conversation about kind of how to implement some of these things what Mark's learning in chiropractic school right now and how he balances the approach of building the foundation of knowledge that you learn in chiropractic school, as well as keeping the creativity and the ability to draw from things outside the box. Hopefully you guys get something out of this podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for the constant support. Keep chopping wood. All right. Well, Mark, it's awesome to have you here. Let's do this, Let's right? Do it, man. I'm pumped. Marcus, a little disappointed you're not here with us. We got the two-thirds of the Anatomy Tuesday squad here. But you want to tell listeners a little bit about yourself, kind of who you are, yeah. our connection. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit of background. So my name is Mark Amick. I am a chiropractic student at Northwestern Health Sciences University over in Bloomington, Minnesota. Um, just diving deep into a dense grad school doctorate curriculum right now. Um, working my way through it. Um, got to know Austin through our time at St. Thomas. I um, played college football at St. Thomas with Austin, was a exercise science that major there with Austin, and was also a sports medicine assistant and student athletic trainer for men's basketball, baseball, track and field, which was really awesome. I got to work with a pretty integrative sports medicine team and learned a ton through that. So I Genuinely had the best four-year experience at St. Thomas. It was amazing and met incredible people there. Um, from Chicago, Illinois, northwest suburbs, Lake Zurich, Illinois. Bear down. Bear down. Big win last night. And um, just had an incredible upbringing there with the best family. And my parents exposed me to a ton as a kid. And I was super active. And they were also super active. So I just kind of looked up to them. They were my superheroes and really got me involved in every sport and hobby and activity that I love doing today. Um, so great family back home and yeah, man, I'm just living, just, yeah. just happy to be here and um, really enjoying life and every step of it as we go. So you talk about playing uh, together on the football team. And first of all, we, we talked about an intro, um, but he's most famously known for the anatomy Tuesday co-host. So true anatomy Tuesday, uh, check it out. If you haven't checked it out Yeah, We're about, we were five, 10 episodes in something like that. It's pretty cool <laughs> show. But uh, you talk about being teammates at UST and kind of the journey that you had through football and, and how it started off going to UST and being that football player and kind of the path that it took you through injuries and to where you are now and kind of the process that you've learned through that and the process you had to go through to kind of get yourself back from that injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my experience playing for St. Thomas was very unique. It was um challenging and had a lot of adversity through it, but it was honestly the most amazing experience too. I'm super grateful for everything that happened and the way that it happened. Um, I learned so much through it all. So 
yeah, I guess some of the backstory of it, I came in as a freshman and like most freshmen, it's just getting thrown to the wolves and you're <laughs> trying to just learn the culture and the expectations and um, kind of get through the craziness of freshman year. So like most of us, we didn't play a whole lot as freshmen, but we learned the culture and coming in as a sophomore is when, you know, you kind of hope to to make that jump and make that impact. So we had an awesome off season with coach Becker and I was able to get to Italy with the guys. And that was a really cool experience for me and played, you know, every snap on defense, every special teams rep went into sophomore season, that camp and like things were going great and was kind of working my way up the depth chart and started to get some play time early on in the season. And then right about halfway through, I had a non-contact ACL injury in practice and it was just kind of like flipped, flipped everything upside down on its head. Um, so you're getting to a place where you're starting to tap into your potential a little bit and get some momentum going. And then everything just kind of comes to a halt. And I had never had kind of an injury like that where it was just, you know, making a cut that was something I did every day and um, never had to think twice about anything like that. And so it was challenging. I think anybody that's been through like a big ligament tear like that ACL injury gets it. And the process of recovering and going through the rehab and the surgery is challenging in itself and it's lonely at times, but man, I learned so much through all of that. And, um, and then it just kind of continued from there. Unfortunately, it was, um, coming back as a junior, um, I trained with John McNulty, who, if you know, Dr. Tommy, John, John McNulty is like his other half in Illinois. The two of them are, uh, super awesome, smart guys. And he got me back feeling really good. I was back after eight months feeling really confident playing again. And then kind of the chaos of the field took over and I got leg whipped by, I think Maddie C in practice one day. It's a big leg. It's a big leg. And, uh, sublex my kneecap and sprained my MCL. And then from there, I, I think they said I was going to be out six to eight weeks. We got an MRI. We did everything I had to do. And we decided to take a medical red shirt that year. Um, find out, you know, Long story short, at the end of the season, the NCAA had denied my medical redshirt because it wasn't a significant enough injury to be season ending. So that was a whole nother beast to kind of go through. I was in a kind of a tough spot after that. And, um, and then, yeah, we can dive into it more, I guess, later. But coming back for my senior year, I just was kind of physically, mentally um, checked out, I guess. I knew what my role was coming in as a senior to kind of be a culture guy and um, helped develop some of the younger guys. And I think that's what makes our program really special. But, and then I was just physically not really there as a senior. Um, I went and got another MRI on my knee because it was just, it was swelling up every day after practice, found out I had basically no cartilage left on my knee. It was bone on bone. I had a torn meniscus. I had, um, you know, my ACL was hanging on by a thread. So I was able to get on the athletic training staff, had to hang up the cleats and I was able to still work with the team. And then I had a huge reconstructive surgery at the end of my senior year to kind of finish it all out. So it was a whirlwind. There's yeah. a lot going on. We talk about the the, the mountains and valleys and there, yes. there's, there's been mount like some of the best coaches, almost all the best coaches that I've had on or anything in this field have, have kind of gone through that valley of, of the big injury or something that like, in that moment, it's like now everything that they thought they knew is completely gone and they're, they're not right. standing on that. How was that kind of 
kickstarted because you can look at it as the valley or it was that kind of spring to the, the mountain that you're on now, yep. the mountain that you're climbing now. How is that kind of, how did that light that fire? You were already exercised before yep. that, but how did that kind of like push you forward to like, all right, this is really what I want to do and this is how I want to help people. Yep. Yeah. That was kind of the turning point for where I saw my career going and what I really wanted to do, I guess. From the time I was pretty young, I was always just completely fascinated by the human body. And as an athlete growing up, I was just like, it was, I was always so interested in every little injury I had, I would dive into it. Every time I was with a, you know, a doctor or an athletic trainer, I was super annoying asking questions. Um, and so I, I, I had a passion for it pretty young and I knew that's what I wanted to do. But originally I thought I wanted to go to medical school. I thought I wanted to do orthopedic surgery. And I really wanted to be like the team doc that was helping, uh, you know, do the big surgery on Adrian Peterson's knee. And then I blow out my knee. And then funny enough, the same doc that did AP's knee does my knee. And that experience in itself just like really made me think about why it was that I wanted to do what I was doing. Um, and so I knew medical school wasn't the route right after that. It was like I had my experience with it was a pre-op visit, a post-op visit and a six month out follow-up. And it was basically like, he helped me fix my knee. He sent me out the door with 75 Percocets in my pocket. And it's like, that was it. And I was like, I cannot see myself being a part of this cycle. I guess, you know, it was, it was, what can I do to be on the, be a part of the solution? What can I do to help the guy that's in my situation in the future before he's under the knife, you know, before his world is slipped upside down. So I think, that totally changed my course. I was still on the pre-med track. So it was kind of all the classes I was taking, you know, had set me up if I wanted to go to physical therapy school, if I wanted to do chiropractic. So I had shadowed both clinics and had some exposure to both. And I really loved um, my experience with chiropractic and the relationships that um, the chiropractors that I was shadowing had with their patients and their clientele. And so I just started to dive into that more and more and kind of blend that with, you know, everything I was interested in from an exercise science standpoint. And it kind of gave me this synergistic blend of it all, man. And um, I just kept diving into it, applied for school, and I wanted a really um, holistic, dense curriculum that I think chiropractic school gives me, you know, a really good understanding of the human body, a really good understanding of the way we move and, um, just a broad basic science foundation that I think is going to carry me a long way, regardless of if I want to just be strictly chiropractic or if I want to continue to expand, which I hope to do. So, yeah. And I, I want to bring it back a little bit to the, the, the point you, you talked about that, that cycle and trying to mm -hmm. get on the other set end of the cycle. And you, you talked about relationships a little bit, and that's something that I, I mentioned and I've just been writing about and thinking about a lot recently is kind of that it's not doctor cycle, but it's, it's that kind of me medical cycle of say, if somebody comes into you, and instantly there's, there's something wrong with them instantly. Like it's give them prescription, give them something to get out. And there's no relationship and there's nothing to really kind of change that person's life. And that's what, that's was something I've actually, I didn't know. I was wondering why you were so interested in the chiropractic mm -hmm. field, but I, I love that answer about building that relationship because that's where you actually are able to, cause, and that's something that really bugs me, man. Like you, you go in, you, you have an injury and you go into this person that you haven't seen for six months. You haven't, sometimes you've never seen him before, right. right? You come in for this. He doesn't know anything about you. And I talk about the backstory. I lived with a, an old guy in um, when I, when I coached, I say, Olaf, I've lived with an old guy. He was having back pain and he went into the doctor's office after I told him like, Hey, like let's work on something. He's like, I went in the doctor's office right away in that first day that he went into the doctor's office. 
they had us, they scheduled a surgery for him. The first, they went into the doctor's office. They talked to him for an hour and they had a surgery scheduled for him. And uh, it was like six weeks out. He had another uh, surgery for his herniated disc Mm -hmm. the same day. And I was like, man, like, does that, and he came back and told me this. I'm like, does that feel right to you? Like, is that, I'm not a doctor, but I'm like, does that make sense to you? And he's like, well, no, not really. And I was like, well, what else is going on? And we talked about like his diet. I mean, the dude ate once a day and it was like a can of beans. Mm -hmm. Like the most old dude diet ever. Like it was so bad. (laughs) I was just so bad. I was like, what? Like, Maybe we attack that a little bit. It was, it was like the busiest time of our year. It was in middle of winter in Minnesota. So it's never, he was never outside because it was cold out for him. Hit like a hundred, he had a golf ball like simulator in his basement where he hit like hundreds of golf balls into a day and it was not good for him. He just crank. It was like me hitting a golf ball. Right. His daughter was moving across country. He was super stressed about that. I was like, man, like, how about we like take a look at these things and like, why am I the one bringing this up? Like why, like, and that's what it's just saying. I don't think it's malicious on there. And I think it's the, the fact that like, you see this so many times, like your solution has always been the hammer. So you're always going to hit it that same way. So I think it's really cool that you brought up the point of trying to stay on the opposite end of those things. Mm-hmm. So like, if it comes down to it, if it is surgery, if that's our solution, then that's our solution. Right. But we work out things before that we actually dive into like who this person is. And we try to find a solution for them, not just the, the kind of boxed answer that everybody has. Right. Yeah. I think that's, you nailed it. It's, it's treating, um, treating each person and each patient with a, a true person centered approach where you are, you're treating the individual, you're treating them as a person. You are, you are getting a really good history and you're trying to figure out, you know, what is this person's life like 24 hours a day? Not just whatever it is there. Like you said, somebody will come in herniated disc, What's the solution? Surgery. But you take a look at that person from a entire whole person approach, a biopsychosocial approach. You see what's going on in their life. What's their nutrition? What's their sleep? How are they managing their stress? All these other things. I mean, I don't think in science we, we truly understand the depth of what everything going on in somebody else's life can impact their health, you know? Um, so it's a really interesting topic to to look at, but you have to try to view it through that lens with every person, with every athlete, with every patient that comes into you, you have to take a whole centered approach or you're, you're just not going to, you're not going to make an impact on them. You're yeah. not going to fix the, the issue. And you talked about in science, we don't understand. Like, I don't, <laughs> we understand a lot, but man, like to think we understand oh like gosh. everything that is happening in the body mm-hmm. and, and then everything, just the uh, body in general. And then to say, we understand everything that's happening in that specific body at that specific time in that moment, like what that person's like, man, like this is like, I, I'm going to speak strictly through the strength cycle, but I'm sure you see it in the chiropractic world, but like the strength, like these people that say they have the answers, like none of us have the answers, man. Like there is no answer. It's you're working with that person, that relationship, one program could work. Like if that person believes in you, even that program is going to work differently than the person that doesn't like to tell me For you sure. have the answer. Like we don't have the answers. No. And, and that, that's the first step to admitting like, we're going to try and find, we're going to try and find what works for you, what partially works for you. Even what works for you now probably isn't the best, best solution that we have because we haven't discovered the best solution. But this opens up kind of the whole world of asking the questions we're not asking in this field yet because it's complex. It doesn't make yeah. us feel good to not have the answers. It doesn't. <laughs> and as it was, there was an athlete the other day that he was, he went to, it was some PT. And I actually like this story. He went to some PT. He was having a calf injury or something like that. And he was telling me about this. He's like, I went to my PT and my PT said he didn't know. So he started Googling it. And I'm like, my PT shouldn't be Googling. I was like, 
at least he was like admitting to not knowing because there's, right. and I was like, maybe that's a good sign that you're going to that right PT because there's a lot of times you go to a PT, I'm not PT in general, anybody, mm-hmm. dude, like anybody. And I don't want to single out a single field, but you go anybody and they'll just BS you like, oh yeah, like I know what you got there. And like going through, like if that person's willing to admit like he doesn't know and he's willing to look it up and dive deeper, then you probably have something there. Right. That's probably somebody you want to be seeing, somebody who's really going to dig deep and dive to find the answers that he doesn't know versus because I mean, like we said, we don't know. Yeah. We just don't have the answers. And I do want to tie it back because one thing you said that stuck out to me was um, somebody's belief in what you're doing. And like, if you have an athlete that really believes in the program that you're giving them versus somebody that's just very skeptical, be the exact same program, exact same athlete, but the person that really believes in it is probably going to have much better results. Right. So it's, that's a big component of it too, is if you can express to your athlete or your patient, why it is that you're doing this and really tie it into something deeper and try to connect that belief with what it is that you're doing that should pay dividends in the long run versus just your black and white approach. Yeah. And this is something I'm interested in how approaching the chiropractic field and doing all the schooling that you have, because you, you, we hear, or maybe, maybe it's not we, but a lot of people hear like when you, when you go through so much schooling, like you're kind of beat into this box. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think there's two sides to it. Like you, you are beat into a box, but you're also developing a foundation of knowledge to draw upon. But how are you balancing building a foundation of knowledge to draw upon? So you're not just totally out there just bullshitting everything, right. but also being able to not get beat into the box where you can never think your own way. You're, just, you're never just like just straight copying what you've learned because it, you've gone through eight years of school of like right. everybody telling you this is the answer. Like, how are you balancing the two two kind of methods for yourself? That's a really good question. And it's. It's challenging and I think I can draw back on my experience as an athlete and as a patient for so long. And for me, I mean, like the process that I went through in my rehab processes were, I had a lot of help from some really great practitioners, some great physical therapists, great athletic trainers, but I was doing a lot of it on my own. And you, you know, though a lot of those processes you're doing on your own. And for me, I had to dive into what made sense for me, what felt good for my body. Um, all these different things. So I think I got to go into chiropractic school with that experience of um, just trying to keep things really big picture, I think has always been a, um, a tool that I've used in school. I think the chiropractic curriculum, while it's amazing and um, has a lot of great information on your basic sciences, is like you said, the foundation, things that I'll be able to use as a foundation to carry on with my lifelong learning, hopefully. Um, but it can also be very dogmatic, you know, and, um, repetitive and sometimes not up to date. And so I think you just have to, you have to go into it, appreciating the big picture. And, um, for me, it's like, I, I have a sense of what it is that I'm looking to get out of school. You know, I want to, I want to understand to the best of my knowledge, how the human body works inside it out. Like, what is the anatomy? What is the physiology? What is the biochemistry happening? All these, all these things. Um, but I don't want to just, I don't want to just be in the books all the time. You know, I want to be taking something to hear from class and I'm going to say, okay, let me, let me find a podcast that kind of relates to this and has a different perspective of it. So, um, yeah, it's just about trying to find that balance between your classroom work and your outside of school work. So I love the quote that is, you know, never let your, um, never let your schooling get in the way of your education. And I think that's been a big thing that I've had in my mind. It's like, I, I'm, I'm going to take as much as I can from chiropractic school. I'm going to take as much as I can from some great teachers and faculty that I have at school. But 
I'm also going to stay big picture, shape that in a way that makes sense for me. And I'm going to go out and spend the next three hours of my day reading something different or listening to something different just to try to get the most all encompassing experience I can from certain topics. Yeah. And I I think going in with that mindset is super powerful because Mm -hmm. It's, it's tough, man. Like going into like, cause I, I mean, I'll do this. I did the same thing in college. Like I'll read or listen to something in a classroom. I'm like, Oh fuck. Like that doesn't really seem right. But then I'll catch myself starting to think it's, it's right without questioning it because I have a teacher, I have a book telling me it. And then you dive a little bit deeper. Like, Oh, like if it didn't seem right, it's probably not right. And it's the same thing. Like I'll have, especially now, like with a lot of my, the thought process I'm putting out, like I'll have discussions with teachers or just other coaches and they'll say, well, the, the book says this, that thing says this. And I'm like, well, does that seem right? Like, is that actually what you're seeing? Is that actually what's happening? And I'm like, oh, uh, well, no. And I was like, well, then why? Like, what, what's happening here? Like, why do we have this disconnect? And and I mean, I still like reading super training. Like, you, you'll read some of the stuff. And you're like, oh, that's really good. Or like, you've like questioned like, ooh, is that is that actually like what's happening? And the ability to take that step back. And I think that's where it's something like, that's why I love listening to somebody like Tommy John, because yeah. he'll, he'll take you totally back. Like yes. he'll take you totally on a different route. You're yeah. like, hell, okay. Yeah. Yep. And that's where finding that inspiration and just finding the, the, I don't know if it's the time or just keeping that thought in the back of your mind to where you don't become that robot. Because man, I've had some conversations with some robots and it's like, do you really believe that man? Right. Like, is that actually what's happening? Like, are you actually thinking about this yep. critically? And it's, I get the, the, the tough aspect of it, but keeping that in the back of your head, like, all right, big picture. Like, all right, maybe some of this is wrong. All right, let's challenge some of this. And then some of this is my foundation. Some of this is right. Some of this is proven. Some of this is what we drop on. So it's not all BS. Right. You have to question things. You have to think critically about things. You have to, you know, challenge the status quo a little bit because it's like we said, we just don't have the answers and we're not going to, but you have to just be ready to, uh, to question it and challenge it. And I think, Another thing that chiropractic school has taught me is like, I'll go into certain classes. Like I had a embryology class learning about, you know, the developing fetus and kind of like maternal and infant health and all these things. And I'm learning about the process of how human life begins. And I'm a chiropractor. I'm probably not going to be dealing with a lot of embryological type of issues, but I can sit in that class and be absolutely mind blown and be so unbelievably blown away by how perfectly crafted the human body is and the miracle that is being able to create a human life and like all these things. So there's definitely times in school where I'll sit back and I'll be like, I don't, I don't need, I don't think I'm going to need to know this, but I can appreciate this with every ounce of me. It's like, this is, I mean, it's really cool. Some of the stuff we get to learn. So I think that's, there's pros and cons, but overall, it's been a really awesome experience. Mm-hmm. And, and you talked about like being able to draw upon that or just even if it's not directly in your field, I think that's super cool because you read a book like Range, it talks about how we yes. are able to like the stuff that's way out there is stuff that you're probably never going to use is something you can draw upon and like make a different connection with, which I yep. think is really sweet. Yep. With the um with the chiropractic field, and we, we talked about, you said you had a lot to talk about on this one, mm-hmm. but you, you, we talk about the good, the bad and the ugly in the chiropractic field. And I think this is a field, I mean, with strength coaches as well, like there's just any field, any field, but yep. there is some shit out there, man. Yep. Like there, I go to some high schools and I'm like, Oh man, we are still doing this. And you hear the same thing with chiropractors, man. Like, Oh, it's just witchcraft or this person's doing this. And you're like, wow. Like, is that what the whole feels like? But then you, you have guys like Dr. Tommy John who are just like totally changing his like, people's lives that he works with. So like, there's gotta be a balance between there. So what, what's kind of that? Like, how do you know when, 
how do you how do you first find a good chiropractor? How do you become a good chiropractor? And like, how do you weed out some of the crap that you're seeing there? And what is the good, the bad, uh, ugly of the field? Yeah, there's there's a lot to it. There's a lot to to unpack there. I guess I'll start by saying that I think chiropractic is is a really awesome tool to have in your tool belt. Like for me, going into school, I knew it was going to be a great education. I knew I was going to get this skill um, that was going to be a really useful tool to have on my tool belt. Um, I think there's a lot of chiropractors that view it as it's the answer, like the <laughs> ultimate answer, you know? And I just think you have to be, you have to know what you want when you're going in to see a chiropractor, right? And I think um, it's a, it's a profession that is really, really good with neuromuscular skeletal issues and some better than others for sure. There's, I've been to practices where you'll go in and a, a doc will spend three, four minutes with you and adjust you and send you out the door and think that's going to solve your issues. <laughs> and I've been to some where they'll spend an hour with you and they're really, really breaking you down from a, you know, whole person perspective, seeing how you move, seeing what your lifestyle is like. And so I think when you schedule an appointment, you got to know what it is that you're looking for. If you're somebody that just had, you know, let's say some acute neck pain, you woke up, your neck is, you got extreme torticollis going, you're, you can't move your neck. It's super stiff. A chiropractic adjustment is going to work wonders for you. I think like I've had, I think last summer I was at a friend's pool and tried to do a double front flip off a diving board. And I went for like two and a half landed flat on my face and got like terrible whiplash. I mean, just my neck was so stiff. I could not move it the entire next day. I went in, saw one of my professors. I was like, can you, can you help me out real quick? He adjusted my neck and I had complete range of motion. It like never even happened. So there's things, like I said, it's a really good tool for some acute things. It's uh, it is a quick fix. You can kind of get that nociceptive benefit from it where it can get you out of pain like that, um, get you moving again like that, but it's, it's passive. It's not going to be something that you can rely on to get you feeling better. You have to break it down from an entire human approach. How are you moving? You know, how, if you have chronic low back pain, an adjustment will maybe help you get out of that pain, but you need to, um, approach it completely different. It's like, how are you moving? How are your, you know, how's your pelvis being stabilized? What's your pelvic floor muscle like? Are your glutes activated? Are your lats connecting to your hips and stabilizing your hips? All these different things. Like you have to approach it differently. If you really want to make long-term beneficial change, you have to, like Tommy John says, you have to create stimulus. You have to put in the work to really heal and get better. So it's tricky. It's, it's, I could go on a lot about it, but, um, you're going to have some chiropractors that view the the adjustment and the, the manual work they do on you as that's kind of where it ends. And then you have some really good ones that are going to go deep and really make a, a positive impact. So, And that's where, I mean, it's almost, and you, you watch Dr. Tommy John's practice, but it's, I mean, he's, it's not, it's not a workout, but I mean, it's, it's kind of a workout. Like he's, he's running them through very similar to like, if I were to bring an athlete in here, like yeah. he, he has the sessions, like, and he's, he talks about how there is no time limit with him. He's just like rolling through and you're doing the things that you need to do. But that kind of needs you. And I, I just feel like he does a really, really nice job. And you talk about as well, but keeping it holistic. And, that, and that's something like in the scope of my practice, I try to do as well. But it's not just 
a quick fix. Like you're the chiropractor. All I do is adjustments, nothing else. You're done. Like you mm-hmm. come here and then you have this laundry list of people that you visit. You, you have your Cairo, you have your PT, you have your coach, you have your sports coach, like all these things. And there's so many silos and so many disconnects yeah. to where if you can be that person to eliminate so many of those disconnects and actually work with that person holistically, that's where you're going to see the, the changes. And that's yes. where you talk about the good of chiropractic, like you good, you use the good of chiropractic, but then you also use the good of nutrition, you use the good of the strength coach side of things and add all these things together rather than just swearing by one tool right. and eliminating everything else that you could possibly use with that person because it's way easier to just crack the neck and be done. Right. Yeah. And, and we're getting a lot of those tools in school, which I really appreciate. You know, we have three or four nutrition courses. We have some like active care and physical therapy rehab type courses. We have our adjustment courses. We and So they're giving us the holistic curriculum. And I think it's just, it's hard. You have, you have people that graduate with student loans and they need to make money and pay off loans and support a family that want to have a practice where people are coming in to get adjusted and we're going to bill insurance and we'll set you up on a 12 week care plan. And you know, that's kind of that. And for some people that's great. And some people want that wellness care and, um, so it's, it's not for me to judge because I think, um, there's, there's so many good ones doing, doing it a lot of different ways. Um, but you just have to know what it is you're looking for. You know, you have to, you have to think critically about it. You have to question it and ask yourself if it makes sense to you and go from there. But it's, um, it's not black and white. You know, you got to navigate the gray area, Carter Schmitz. Yeah. Ooh, good <laughs> shout out. And I, we talked about, so like, that's something that, cause there's a lot of young athletes that listen to this and then they bring up points like, Oh, how can I apply this? How can I do that? So I think that's something like the first thing you do when you approach a chiropractor world is think critically for yourself as an athlete. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's, you're talking about all well, the athletes, you know, like that's the, like that's the athlete's life. And I feel like a lot of times like the, the athlete itself, and they're injured and they're in, they're in this situation, but a lot of times they're lazy with it. Like they, they just want to like have somebody fix them. They want to do mm-hmm. this. And I think you saying that, like, I think that's really powerful for them. Like, Hey, it's your job to think critically. It's your job to yeah. think about what's happening here. Why is this working? And it's your career at the end of the day. And that, right. that's something that I talked about too. It's like, it, like your life, I don't care how good your chiropractic is. Like your life means more to you than anybody else. You know, like Spot your, on. your being. you're this like, you got to take ownership of that. And yep. I think that's, that's, I love that you said that because I think that's a huge step into how we approach these things. Yeah. I was literally just going to say as, as an athlete and my experience was the same way. It's like, nobody's going to care about your health more than you. And there's no doctor, no trainer, no strength coach that's going to care more about your health and well-being than you. At least that's how it should be. Right. So that was my experience as an athlete. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm getting this, this and that from X, Y, and Z. But I have to think, you know, does this make sense for me? Does this make sense with my body, the way my, my threshold, the volume I can, whatever it is, like you've got to be able to kind of know your body and think critically about everything that's getting fed to you. Because as, as both of us, I mean, in both of our professions, we have a lot of authority and we should, we should like, people are going to listen to you. They're going to invest in what you're saying. And there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. So, um, you have to, you have to be well-educated. You have to be up to date on things and you have to try to the best of your ability, give a patient or an athlete the best advice that you can, because our authority carries a lot of weight and our opinion carries a lot of weight and you have to be cognizant of it. And I, I love that point that bringing up the balance a little bit too, because that's something, and I think it starts with the relationships, drawing it back on what you said before. It's like, I want my athlete to tell me like, Hey, like that, that's not working. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, this isn't it. Like, for me, this doesn't work. Uh, I don't like the high red. Like 
telling me these things. Cause I mean, there's so many times I've seen a program, like there is no way in hell that athlete is going to come up to that strength coach. who's just screaming at them right. to do up downs or whatever, like to tell them, Hey, like this is, this isn't working for me. That type of thing. Like you need to be able to, as a coach, I think this is number one thing, like have that open relationship with that, like athlete to be able to have them say that to you. Cause mm-hmm. they're not saying it to you. You're never going to get that feedback. You're never going to know if your program works. And it, it, doesn't feel awesome when they, it's not a challenge. Like you have to set it up in a way to where that athlete shouldn't have to challenge you in that moment. You know, that athlete right. can come up to you and be like, Hey coach, honestly, like I, I don't see the point. And maybe the athlete's wrong. Like there, there's a total point where that sure. athlete is wrong, where your authority and your like research does matter. And I'm not saying like be the pushover coach to where at all moments, you're just like, all right, whatever, like right. do whatever you want, that yep. type of thing. It's like, have that conversation at least because yep. a lot of times and from my experience, 90% of the time that athlete is right. That athlete's smarter than you. That athlete knows his body better than you and now listen to it and adjust your program. But like you said, you need to, you need to be caught. Like you need to recognize the authority and power that your voice has and then take that step back. You know, whatever you say kind of goes with these people, especially yep. if you're at a college or you're, you're, you're at a place where they have to listen to you right? and then open up the spot to where they can say something back to you. Mm-hmm. And it's, got to be really tricky to navigate. I'm sure for you as a, as a strength coach. And I, I'll just, I'll just segue us maybe, but the, uh, the bullet point we had about health and performance and the separation between the two and the blend between the two. Um, I think it's really tricky waters to navigate because you do have athletes with different thresholds. You do have athletes with different tolerances, different things, but at the same time, you do have to break somebody down to build them back up a little bit. And you do have to fight through some pain. Same, same as a patient. Like if I have somebody that's coming in with, you know, chronic knee pain, it's like, if we want to get this thing better, it's, we're going to have to, we're going to have to freaking work at it. And it's going to not be the most comfortable thing. So I think for both of us in, in our profession, the way we want to do things, it's, it's, those are waters we have to try to navigate through in the best way we can. But I'd love to hear your perspective from a strength coach of, and we could just go back and forth about separating health and performance, but is it, is it hard to really break down athletes in the weight room and then maintain kind of their health throughout the rest of the day still? What's your process with that? Yeah. And this is where I, damn, we're pretty good. Yeah, we could yeah. just co-host a podcast over here. This is good. Uh, I think it's, it's weird for me because in my sessions, I, I focus on health a ton you do for the sole purpose of like, it's like their sport practice, man. It's all performance. Right. There is no, like it's volume, volume, hit, go like at all moments. Like I can't do anything in that aspect too. So if I'm ignoring health in my aspect, in, in my realm that I control, that's where I see it as a problem. Like they, my volume is going to be controlled where I'm at. Like my, my lifts are going to be controlled where I'm at. We're not going to have injuries where we're at, but mm-hmm. I'm also going to have to send that athlete to that two hour practice to where a lot of times like that coach, I mean, that's that practice schedule. It's whatever they're trying to get done that day. And it's straight performance. It's zero percent health and trying to keep them alive for that practice. I mean, a lot of times like that's my goal. Like, all right, we're going to we're going to get some performance benefit out of it. But it's not it's not like the full go that I do with myself in my training, like my training. Like I don't have that three hour practice where I know I'm going to break myself. I try and break myself in the performance aspect and with the washed up movers. So I have that realm of like we're going to break ourselves here um, because we don't have that later. We don't have that that big performance aspect later, but, and maybe that's something like, as I say it, I, I know it's not wrong. It's not right in the, in the sports practice realm of things. Like we shouldn't have to send people to practices to get broken and to get beat up. But it, right now it's kind of the reality of all practices that I've been to or seen. Right. Yeah. And I think 
that's, that is the reality of it, right? You have to, you have to send your athletes on the field to, to practice their sport and perform. And that, that is what it is. But I think for all the athletes listening and for your guys, it's like the important thing is there's a reality to what you're going to do in the weight room and on the field that is going to break you down a little bit. And then it's, it's on you to control what you can control for the rest of the 20 hours of the day. Right. So that's when you tie in to the best of your ability. That's when you recover with your health, right? How are you sleeping? What are you eating? What are you refueling with? How are you managing your stress? All the other aspects of health are things I think they can control outside of those four hours of practice or lifts, you know? And I think that's just, that's the balance you have to have and the conversation you have to have is what are you doing the other 20 hours of the day that's going to allow you to come back tomorrow and compete at a high level confidently, safely, you know? And then what's your kind of approach to, because you, you, you talked about the relationship aspect side of things to where you're not just in out getting them out to where they're, they're actually working on these other 20 hours. Cause that, I mean, that's like, we would talk about it right now, but like, that's the biggest struggle of any strength coach of any, like anybody's yeah. like when they're with us. Right. Perfect, man. We're going right. to get them through the program. We're going to get all these things. But man, as soon as they leave, like got half the kids eating, like a <laughs> plate of shame, eating plate Brandon shame. Liston. If you're listening, <laughs> eating two plates, I walk up. The only thing he has on his freaking thing is two plates of ice cream <laughs> with a bunch of cookies in it. I was like, <laughs> man, like what's your process of kind of implementing that or making sure they understand the health aspect of it? Is it just education? Is it making sure they know the implications? Like you can't sit there and live their lives for them. Totally. And it's, it's so hard to, to like, if I could go back and shake like 19 year old Mark Amick and just be like, you know, I was, I remember going into training camp and I was a hundred and like 97 pounds. And I'm like, I mean, that's good and bad, like good weight on there, bad weight on there. <laughs> and I walk in and I get on the scale and I was, you know, six one one ninety seven safety, which on paper looks great. Like that's, that's, I like that size safety. And I get in there, I get on the scale and coach goes, awesome. You think you can get up to two Oh five. And I was like, I'm eating like shit like all the time just to, just to maintain my weight and keep this weight. And you want me to like put on more weight. But I, I genuinely think that if, if you put health and performance into the same bucket and you focus on the two, I think, I think your performance can, can get better if you really do focus on, you know, eating whole foods throughout the day sleeping eight hours, putting your freaking phone down before bed and, and getting good rest and getting out of that, you know, sympathetic dominant state that you've been in all day and turning off your stimulus, rest, digest, recover. I mean, it just, it would have made a huge difference for me. I think athletically, if I was freaking 185 pounds instead of 205 pounds and felt, felt good every day, tons of energy, well, well slept, well-nourished, all those kinds of things. I mean, you got to put them in the same bucket if you can, because I, I do think they go hand in hand. Yeah. And keep teaching the value thing. And one of the things that I do with my, my guys is kind of at the end of every workout, we, we lead them through a meditation. But the, the first thing that I do, that first meditation session we have as a team, like we have 90% of the, not 90, but like 80 to 90% of guys fall asleep during it. Like mm -hmm. it's 10 minutes yep. and half the people are snoring, like <laughs> snoring, like dead. And like we wake up, like we get everybody, all of them are like, oh my God, I feel great. Like, this is awesome. This is the best thing. I was like, man, like, what is that telling you? Right. Like we're falling asleep 
within 10 minutes. Like you th- you really think your body's not telling you something? You're telling me you're getting a good sleep right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, people that didn't fall asleep, you feel amazing right now. Like you super clear. I was like, maybe we should do more of this, man. Like maybe you're a little bit like we, we talk about as a team, like staying at like a six, like you're always at that buzzing right. six. You know, right. you're never able to go up to a 10, but you never take a step back to like breathe a little mm-hmm. bit and stuff like that is just getting those aha moments for the guys, like giving right. them something to be like, Oh, that's what this is saying. Oh, that. And I think that's something like, especially in the chiropractor world where you, you point out to them, like that lower back pain. And this is something I love. Like you said, that chronic lower back pain, like, well, should it be chronic lower back pain? Like, is your body developed to always hurt? Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't seem like a very smart, like evolutionary thing. Like right. why would you always hurt? So maybe that, maybe it is something you're doing. Like maybe, and that's where it's the getting that aha moment of, oh, okay. So there, there's something else here that my body's telling me something and now I need to listen to it. Right. Yep. hundred percent pain is the, what is it? First thing to show up and no last thing to show up and the first one to go away. Yep. Um, so yeah, you have to, you have to listen to your body, but you have to be intuitive and know that just because, you know, you have to have those aha moments. You have to think deeper on certain things. And, um, if your body's in pain, it's probably telling you something. And just because you get out of pain tomorrow, doesn't mean that those underlying issues aren't there. So it it is like as an athlete, if you can take a holistic approach to your performance as a whole and not just how much you're squatting and what your 40 time is, but you're really holistically appreciating, you know, you're putting just as much weight into how many hours of sleep you got and the food that you put in the in your body and how that made you like feel energetically the next day. If you put as much weight into all that stuff as you did your 350 pound squat and your sub four, five forty, you, you'd reap the benefits. I think. I really yeah. do. And then that's, that's kind of talking about like the, the mental toughness aspect of training too, that I kind of emphasize a lot is like the lifting part, man. Like that's such fake mental toughness. Like get out of here with that shit. Like you get to show up, you get to do something you are good at with a bunch of other people, your best friends, with your best yeah. friends, like jacking you up the entire time. If it's in the weight room, the entire weight room's looking at you. So you're getting like the, the, the approval of people around you, like shut up. Like you were not grinding. You were not doing anything tough. Like it just drives me nuts. Like people like snorty face, like grind, like shut up. Like that's the easiest part in your world. Yeah. Like, you know, what's not super sexy is going to bed early, man. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You look like such a freaking, like all through college, I was such a freaking nerd, like going to bed early. Like the amount of times I was made fun of for that mm-hmm. is like that, like that, like do that Yep. more. Like, yep. You want to talk about grind? You want to talk about doing it? Like do that. You know, it's not sexy. It's like not grabbing pizza at the cafeteria mm-hmm. or a bowl of ice cream at the, I'm not like, you don't always have to not eat pizza, <laughs> but like, that's where like it's the mental side, the little flip is like, Guys just trick themselves, man, into yeah. thinking they're mentally tough, into thinking they're grinding, into thinking they're doing these things. And you take a step back, like, they're just doing things you like to do mm-hmm. that other people don't like to do because they're not as gifted at it as yeah. you. Like, it, that's not the grind. Right. Yeah, it is. It's 24 hours of the day is the grind. And the other 20 hours outside of your sport is, is, where, the, is, where, is where the separation is. And sure. something before we kind of wrap this up is... You, you have the, the Instagram page talking about the synergistic life. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I, I, before we go, I want you, and we've talked about holistic, but we really haven't used synergistic yet. Yeah. We haven't used your name. No, we haven't. I want to dive into like what that means to you, kind of what that means to you, where you feel like 
that's going to go, where you want to take that, how you want to use that with your field. Uh, Maybe it's just kind of molding everything we talked about together into this, but where are you taking that? What does that mean to you? Yeah, I think we have touched on a lot of it, Um, you know, kind of the holistic, the synergistic blend of everything. But I think for me, I love I love the word synergy. I think the definition of it is like the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And I think that can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. Um, But kind of the way it works in my head is um, if we take the whole, you know, kind of the whole life, the whole person, the whole human experience, and we break that down into what is that made up of? And I like to think of it as, you know, our human experience, we have physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, all these different parts that make up the whole. And I think if we can optimize each one of those parts individually and spend time kind of honing in on, you know, what we're doing physically, like we've touched on, what is our movement like? What is our sleep like? What is our nutrition like? All these things physically that we do, um, trying to optimize those. And then what is our, what's our emotional, mental aspect life? Like, how are we, um, how are we managing our stress? You know, are we, and I think there's just, there's something you have to dive into about just like enjoying all the different aspects of life, you know, mentally, what, what's your thought process like throughout the day? Like when you hear a song, like when you taste really good food, like mentally, where are you going during all those things? And I think for me in my life, it's like, I try to just enjoy the music, enjoy the food, taste the food, enjoy the like all these little things that you try to optimize kind of that mental switch in your head, that emotional switch spiritually. Like, what do you believe in? Like something greater than yourself or what's your, what's your purpose? What's your why? All these things you dive into that. Um, and then socially, like, what are your relationships like? And everything you're doing, who are you doing it for? And how's that benefiting your time and your energy and, you know, the, the people that are most important to you. I just, I don't know. I love the idea of synergy. I love, even when you talk about synergistic muscles and these muscles that are helping a prime mover, you know, with with certain actions, when you talk about synergistic blend and balance in your life and the things that you're doing and the relationships you have, I just kind of this cohesive synergistic blend of optimizing as much as you can about your life, I think makes the human experience and the expression of your life that much better. Yeah. And dude, I forget. I'm about to geek out about that because <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk about I, with the back pocket boys. I got a podcast with them tomorrow with Mark Dalla. But one of the things that I wrote down that I really wanted to talk about was like fucking paying attention in your life, man. Yeah. And that's you, you talk about how you, you take that much, but like the first step is like not having that background music, yeah. you know, like that music is playing like, feel it like right. what is happening where is that lyrics going there's so many moments in my life where I like I catch it it's like holy fuck like that was background like everything yeah. there was background like I was eating there was nothing there like listening when nothing there like just auto-tuned background right. like just autopilot type shit like set yourself now like where are you yeah like, like what's happening are we background or like we listening right is, is this actually happening are we tasting that food yeah. like pay attention man and that's something like I I Cause once you start doing that, you're like, holy shit. Like there's so much going on, dude, your life changes when you start like appreciating the little things. Just, I mean, if you're really present, like you said, I love the autopilot, like take over the wheel man. grab it and just experience it. And I, yeah, I, I wanted to bring up this quote, but like one of my favorite musicians, my favorite artists, if you know me, I love John Mayer. I think he's a master of the guitar. I think he's lyric, lyrical genius. I love John Mayer, but he had this quote and it was about his, you know, him as a musician. And it said, he said, my, my life's work, like my main goal is to bring my level of appreciation 
and my level of performance up to my level of appreciation that I have for music, really. So he's like, every time I go out there and play, he's like, I'm just trying to bring that level of performance to the level of appreciation that I have for music. And I think that's kind of what the synergistic life is about, too. It's like, I am just, I love life. I love the expression of life. I love trying to reach that maximum potential. And I think that in my head, it's like, I'm trying to bring my level of performance and all the things that I do to my level of appreciation for life. And I think it starts with just being tuned in and just appreciating the little things getting out of the autopilot. Yeah. And that's something where we, we, we talk briefly, like we talk about the really good stuff, but I also think like there, there's another aspect of like noticing the bad stuff. Cause I think that's another, like, we just never like, just take that deep breath and we're appreciating life. But you also notice like, Oh, like that doesn't feel very good. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Oh, like I, I feel lonely in that moment. Ooh, like what, why, why is that like that? And that's like, you're never totally able to fully appreciate life and live in that high and be happy and fulfilled without feeling that low, man. And that's where it's like yes. so many times in my life. So like, I mean, man, there's I talk about like the robots and the zombies. Like there's so many robots and zombies out there. Like at all moments, it's a six, like yeah, just a six. Yeah. It's like, you, you've never, like you've never taken a deep breath and felt yourself. Yeah. Like that's part of it. That's part of the human experience, man. You should, you should feel the peaks and the valleys like both equally. And I think it makes like, if you dive down in the, in the, valleys it makes the peaks that much greater that much sweeter but it's like i I know you and tommy john alluded to it on your podcast too and he has a really good one on mental health and but it's like it's like the world wants us at a at a six right just steady they don't want us to go up and down because up and down is start making noise right yeah it's just for whatever reason it's like don't feel anything stay even keel be just be on that that trajectory but yeah Feel the peaks and valleys. It's good. Yeah. It's good for you. Feel the pain. Same thing. I mean, same thing. We'll, we'll, we'll get to rapid fire round, but same thing. Like physically, like feel that pain. Like feel the reason your ankle feels that way. Feel the reason that lower back feels that way. Stop taking pills to cover it up. Stop wrapping it up. Stop doing these things that hide that man. Like the low is telling you something. The high is telling you something. Pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Before I get into a rabbit hole, let's go rapid fire round. Let's do it. All right. Rapid fire round. Mark, favorite books, man. What are some books that you think the listeners can get a lot out of? Ooh. Um, I think there's a good list. I just gifted the obstacle as the way to somebody because I think it's an awesome book about overcoming adversity and especially now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially now finding, finding the beauty in the struggle. Um, that's an awesome book. I think sapiens is a great read because it is one of the most perspective shifting books I've ever read in my life. And I know you shared a lot, like talking about being just a, a pimple, a, just dust, like really like on the timeline of existence. I mean, that book shakes your world a little bit. And I loved Sapiens. Listening to that stuff, it's bad for me. I just start going full rabbit hole, <laughs> yeah. full like space mode. Yeah. Oh man. Be, be prepared uh, for Sapiens if you pick it up. It's 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 a mind fuck. Um, and then I loved Range. I really loved Range. Carter recommended it to me. And I know you and Austin talked about it a little bit. And from going from reading like outliers in the 10,000 hours and like hammering that to going to range was a really cool perspective. And I, I couldn't put that, put that book down from start to finish. I really loved it. So those are, those are three of my top ones recently. Boom. For sure. I love it. All right. Next question. Who's a guest that you think we should have on that can kind of grow this movement culture? Yes. Awesome. I have 
three guests. Oh, three. All right, got my um, So the first one, I think that you would have a blast talking to. His name is Michael Bingaman. He is the athletic development coach and head strength conditioning coach for the U.S. ski and snowboard team, which um, is like my dream job. It's the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Um, so Mike and I got connected through social media a little bit, and I actually applied for their high-performance internship out in Park City, Utah. Um, and we were able to talk a lot about it. I didn't end up getting it. Definitely have a lot of work to do to get into that um, category. But him and I actually FaceTimed for a good hour. And he is such a cool guy. He, you guys would just hit it off because he's, he's got it down. I mean, talk about the synergistic life. Like he, he tackles it all. I think, and I just love his social media and following him and the content that he puts out. Got to have him on. He's awesome. Um, one of my kind of mentors from school, he's a year older than us in my chiropractic program. His name's Aaron Kubal. Um, he's going to be an awesome chiropractor. He's kind of got, you know, he's got it down. He gets it. Um, so just for somebody in the Twin Cities, that I think would be a really good one. And then my third one is Dr. Jordan Shallow, who is a, yeah. you know, the muscle doc? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. If you could get him on, I would be stoked. He's one of the most brilliant minds that I listen to. Um, he's my hero in our profession. He's very, very good. And he's so blunt and hilarious and just tells it like it is. And I, I geek out when I, when I listen to that man go. So those are my three for sure. Boom. That's a strong three. Right yeah, it there. Is. <laughs> uh, next one. And I think this will be a good one for you. And I love listening to younger guys like myself talk about this one, but what's kind of next for you? What's kind of, maybe it's a five-year goal. Maybe it's a one-year yeah. goal. Maybe it's something you want to finish up this month. Um, so that's a good question. I, I'm right now getting into all my clinical rotations for school. So my goal, I guess, in the next year or two is to find a really good internship to learn under somebody, just to find that mentor that I think I connect with and is like-minded like me, um, but also challenges me and is teaching me new things. So finding a really good internship right now is key to finish up school. Um, and then I guess in that next five-year window, it's it's just continual growth and development and learning and mastering my craft every day. I mean, I don't know where I'm going on this journey or where exactly it's taken me, but, um, I think, I think I'm extremely grateful to be where I'm at now. And somehow, some way, I think I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And if I keep chipping away at what I'm doing, I think it's going to continue to fall into place. But, um, yeah, those long-term goals, I mean, it's just, it's finding the right fit. It's having the right people coming into my clinic. It's growing, learning, providing patients with the, the highest quality care. And we'll see where that takes me, man. Being able to look back on this podcast and laugh at both of ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. A year from now, we're going to redo this and we're going to be like, what? what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> I love it. So All that's right. where we got to get to. When, when this kind of, this chiropractic world is over, when the synergistic life is over mm -hmm. and you're kind of on the deathbed, what do you kind of want your legacy to be? What do you want people to say you accomplished, you did mm. about you, who you are? That's a deep question. I think, I don't even know if I want it to be anything to do with my career. I think I wanted to just be completely who I was as a person and hopefully what I inspired other people to do. Um, I am really, really just obsessed with this life. And I think expressing it to the highest potential is like my ultimate goal and just being able to do it for as long as I can and really attack the things that I love to do. And 
there's just, I mean, there's a lot of life out there to just go live. And if I could leave a legacy, it would be to, to do that with everything you have and just work on expressing life to your absolute highest potential and being a hundred percent invested in all the people that you have in your life. Cause it's the coolest thing. Oh yeah. yeah. Pay attention, baby. Yeah. Let's go. Very last question of the podcast. You're kind of billboard message for somebody that is in the Valley that maybe has that knee injury that you had as kind of doing all these things by themselves kind of feels like that, that, that darkness around them, everything was going right. Now it's not. Mm-hmm. It's kind of your build a message for that kind of person to keep going. Trust the process. Trust the process. You have to just be process oriented, man. And that's, I think that's right along the lines of keep chopping wood. It is one day at a time. Just, just keep chipping away at it and um, continue to work and strive and grow and just, know that there's light at the end of the tunnel because you know if you put in the work and you just you keep chopping wood one step at a time man it it, things get better and and you get to that peak and it's all worth it when you get there oh yeah you talk about like just continue like the things that you think like that you think are impossible man like you just keep working like the things that happen it's unfucking believable the the things that the momentum brings that like if you look back and you like, I look back at myself like a year ago, I look back at myself like four years ago as it just is so crazy. Like day by day, you feel like you don't notice it, but right. in four or five years, man, I just look at that person. I'm like, it's not even the same person. It's total evolution. It's all yeah. like butterfly of like who you are and what you can do. Right. And I never want that to, to change. It's Ever. like, it's like the Matthew McConaughey thing where it's like, who, who are you chasing? Who's your hero? Me in 10 years, I'll never reach that. But that is like, that's who you strive for. That's the goal. And if you want to put it in super, super short-term process, Mark Dowell just ran 160 miles in less than 48 hours. And he just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And that's all it was. One foot in front of the other. Just keep doing it. You'll make it there. Fuck yeah. We did it. Fuck yeah. So many shout outs. So many things. <laughs> we did it. Let's go. Oh yeah, man. That was, that awesome. was awesome. Thanks for having me. Boom. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Oh,